0: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is Halloween, October 31st, and last night Atlanta United got spooked a little bit uh, in what turned into a 1-1 draw against Toronto at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Toronto, one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer, was able to pull out the draw with a goal in the 88th minute off a pass to the back post. That was headed back across the goal to an open perusa who only needed to head it in. It was the second time in three games that Atlanta United gave up a goal in the final minutes. The second time in three games that it dropped two points. And now it has gone from trying to figure out if it can host a home playoff game with its fate in its hands to facing a, a difficult proposition of making the playoffs. I think the team can, whether it will, uh, remains to be seen. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal Constitution because we are knocking it out of the park with our Braves coverage, our coverage of Georgia, our coverage of the Falcons, the Hawks, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, which beat Georgia Southern last night, you name it, in the city of Atlanta, and I think we cover it pretty well. All right, let's go over the game before I get into y'all's excellent questions. Atlanta United opened the scoring in the 15th minute with Luis Arahujo stealing the ball from Quentin Westberg and tapping it into the net. It was a horrible decision by Westberg. An easy goal off a smart play by Arahujo. And you watch it and you think, okay, Atlanta United is off and running. Toronto is starting a very young lineup because it has a big tournament game In the uh, Canadian Basement FIFA Championship on Wednesday, Atlanta United began peppering Toronto's goal but could not put another one in. In the game, Atlanta United took 19 shots but could only put four on target compared to Toronto's 11-8. And And this came, once again, despite Atlanta United dominating possession. So, once again, opponents are making more out of the ball than Atlanta United, which had 58% of the possession. Joseph Martinez was particularly wasteful last night. Uh, The most obvious example was a a fantastic cross by Brooks Lennon. Martinez only needed to tap it in. He reached for it and ended up putting it over the goal. And uh, Atlanta United was able to only put one more shot on target. Uh, I think they only took one more shot after that miss, Uh, which to me is just a sign of, of their mental frailty. And I know they don't agree with it, and I know they don't like to talk about it, but this team does have an unfortunate history of simply in the regular season not being able to to rise to the occasion in the past two years. You go back to the MLS's back tournament, even after that disastrous first two games, it still had a chance to advance, and it couldn't pull, pull out a result in the third game. The end of the regular season, had a chance to make the playoffs, could not get that done. Now throughout the season, whenever it has a chance to finally put a stamp on something and either qualify for the playoffs or put itself in position to host a playoff game, it cannot get the job done. It's mind-boggling considering that – and this is – I'm not pointing the finger at any one particular person. This is just the roster itself. You have three national team players on the back line, Brad Guzan, George Bellow, Miles Robinson, Brooks Lennon, former U.S. Youth national team member. You have more than $30 million in transfer fees spent on the attack, and yet this team cannot close out opponents. Uh, It's a bizarre, bizarre circumstance. So now let's look at the MLS standings to give you an idea of what is coming. New England, of course, is Clemson's supporter shield, firmly in first with 73 points. Nashville is second with 52, NYCFC is third with 50, Philadelphia is fourth with 50. Those four teams have clinched playoff spots. Now, the fight for the final three. Atlanta United is in fifth with 47 points and two games remaining. Orlando is in sixth with 47 points and two games remaining. Red Bulls are in seventh at 46 with two games remaining. D.C. United is in eighth. With 44 and one game remaining, Columbus is in ninth with 44 and one game remaining. Montreal has 43 with two games remaining. If Atlanta United defeats Red Bulls on Wednesday, it will clinch a playoff spot. If it loses or draws, it's going to need help. It sounds easy. Red Bulls are a team that Atlanta United has never beaten during the regular season, never really played particularly well at Red Bull. So let's say it drops all the points there because that's what history tells us. Then it's got to go to Cincinnati on decision day. The absolute worst team in the league, but a team that is going to be playing basically to keep Atlanta United from clinching a playoff spot and it is going to bunker. And we all know that Atlanta United does not do well like most teams. I guess a team that is going to bunker and try to play good defense. Um, it's something that Atlanta United players will point out. It's difficult to do. But That's why Atlanta United spent so much money on those players. So this is a difficult spot for Atlanta United. I went and figured out today the team has dropped uh, eight points because of goals scored by opponents in the final 10 minutes of games this season, uh, which is just not good. The, The goal on... Against, uh, the goal scored by Toronto is very similar to a few other goals allowed this year. A little bit of ball watching by some of the Atlanta United's defenders. A little bit of arm raising for offside and not enough people actually marking a man. Um, it's it's a weird thing. And the team just can't seem to get past it. So it's got to outscore people, and it couldn't do that last night. So that is the problem that it faces. Um, you know, Pineda didn't come across as being as frustrated as he did against... NYCFC when they scored in the 90th minute to pull out a draw at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but he said he's concerned, and he said he's frustrated. Miles robertson said he's frustrated. Ezekiel Barco seemed fairly calm, didn't get a chance I thought about this on the way home, didn't get a chance to ask him if he's considered that that could be the last game he's played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium at least for Atlanta United Um, but we were more focused on the game than the future last night. So There's really not a whole lot more to say about that game last night. It was uh, just not a good performance. We can go through some individual things really quick. Araujo led the team in chances created with five. Barco was second with four. Um, They created 15 chances last night, Uh, but, again, could only put the four shots on goal, and one of those was by Alan Franco. Araujo had his one. The only shot he put on goal was his goal. Martinez put two of his five shots on goal. Barco didn't put a shot on goal of his four. Uh, I, I, a little. You know, um, Pineda didn't use as many subs last night, and he didn't bring any defensive subs. He's, he kind of questioned himself because he did that against NYCFC, and it didn't work out. But when you've got Abara, who went and played 90 minutes on Wednesday and did well, to not bring him in to try to control the middle of the pitch when you've got – when you're nursing that lead, to not bring in George Campbell, I, I don't understand – I understand the need to want to score, but I also understand the managing of a game. Uh, I, I think it's just a maturation thing, an experience thing for Pineda that he'll get there, and I don't know if that would have made any difference on Saturday either, but it, I, I don't It would have, I guess, said we're trying to manage the game rather than just trying to, we're trying to outscore. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Uh, I've never managed a MLS team, so it's difficult for me to say. And I don't like second guessing a manager, particularly about stuff in, within a game, because there's information that I don't have. Alright, so let's get on to your questions. Alan Henderson says, you remember the Ali fight where he conserved his energy by leaning into the ropes of winning punishment and wearing his opponent down and eventually winning? Uh, actually, he wasn't avoiding punishment. He was taking the punishment, but he was trying to minimize it by covering his head and keeping his shoulders in, so it was his elbows that were getting hit a lot. It was the rope-a-dope. Uh, and says, I don't know if that was the plan, but Toronto did that same trick last night and would have won, but for Hollywood, to Arahujo's goal. Just an idea. Now I'll go read your stories. Yeah, it's called countering, and a lot of teams do that against Atlanta United because they know they can't outscore, so they simply try to Limit Atlanta United to zero or one goals and then steal a goal at the end. And it's working for a lot of teams this year. Um, so that, that's a good observation, Alan. Joshua says, uh, I can't believe I'm typing this, but it looked like Joseph was the main culprit in our dropping points tonight. This might have been his worst match in an Atlanta United kid. He looks out of shape, took extra touches, made bad passes, and couldn't shoot with accuracy except the one right of the keeper. Everyone has a bad match eventually, and he wasn't alone. Barco and Bello both could have pulled the trigger more quickly tonight, but it feels strange thinking Joseph was the stinker tonight. That being said, I'm still grateful we're in the position to make the playoffs. End of July, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, Joseph did not have a good game last night. Uh, You go back to the game before, he really didn't have a good first half um, in the previous game. And last night, he just, he took the first shot that ended up right at the goalkeeper. He missed one with his left foot. He couldn't get a hold of that um, Brook's London cross. He just, he doesn't look right, but still, 90% of Joseph is better than a lot of strikers in Major League Soccer. Um, And I got to think that he's going to come good, but last night he wasn't great. I thought Barco struggled a little bit last night, too. I think he was... Kind of back to the Barco that likes to dribble, dribble, dribble instead of passing, passing and moving, which is what worked so well for him for a long time. I thought he held onto the ball too long several times last night. I think some of that's just fatigue, mental fatigue. It's a long season, and Barco has played a lot of minutes, and sometimes you just, you're, you can't, you don't realize what you're not doing just because you're tired. Anyway, coffee seven. Thank you, Josh. All right, Ernest. Barco got booked for celebration after that goal was disallowed. Yeah, Barco did have a goal that was disallowed. Uh, offside into the place, and no goals to no celebration. The caution should be rescinded. Yes, I don't think that. I don't. You can't. You don't usually rescind yellows uh, in Major League Soccer. I can't. I don't think that's a law. So I don't think that's going to get rescinded. Uh, it was a fantastic goal by Barco. It was kind of a back-and-forth play between he and Joseph and one of those you shoot, no you shoot, no you shoot, that it out sometimes does and, and gets himself into trouble. But he kind of chipped one in with the outside of his right foot and then took off his shirt in celebration because he was very pleased with himself, as he should be. It was a fine goal, which is an automatic yellow. Um, and then, of course, the flag went up. Very late flag, I thought. Um, so the goal comes back. He, he gets stuck with the yellow, and there you go. I'm trying to see if there's video of that goal, uh, but no, there's not. It might be within the highlights package, but there's not just a separate one on the Major League Soccer website. Michael says, with well, us dropping points again in the final 10 minutes, how will the front office stay employed with us missing playoffs the last two years? Well, you're assuming that the team is not going to make the playoffs, and I still think they are. You can be disappointed in how they're advancing to the playoffs, and I understand that 100%. And the front office is going to stay employed. That's, you just need to, I think we need to end that now. I think the only way it doesn't is if one of them were to leave for a better job offer. I don't think anybody's leaving. Uh, The team has bounced back too well, and, and I think it's got the right pieces in place heading into next year to to really be a dominant team in Major League Soccer. All right, let's go on to, and I shouldn't say in Major League Soccer because what other league would I be talking about? It drives me crazy what NFL announcers do in the National Football League or in this league or in the league, and just silly crap like that. Um, Of course, I'm talking about Major League Soccer. I'm not talking about the Premier League. I'm not talking about La Liga. I'm not talking about the Amechis. I'm not talking about Serie A. So just you can virtually slap me around if you want to. Doug says, "Pineda seemed defensive in the presser after the match. Do you agree with his lack of substitutions?" Like, now I kind of covered that a little bit before. I, I don't agree, but I, you know I don't have all the information. know, Abaro really wasn't physically ready to play. Pineda is trying to establish that he wants to be an attacking team. He doesn't want to be a back foot team. But it's really funny. We were talking about this uh, at training the other day. So in 2018, Tata went from an attacking team to a defensive team near the end of the season because he knew that was what was going to win the playoffs. So Atlanta United switched from a back four to a back five and obviously went on to win the MLS Cup. Right now, I think it would be almost better for Atlanta United to switch from a back five to a back four, get that extra midfielder into the game, to control the middle of the pitch because it remains a gigantic problem for this team. Uh, I don't, I mean, I can see it. I know Pineda has got to be able to see it. Um, And it's the only way that he can get Martinez, Barco, Moreno, and Araujo on the field at the same time is to go either the back five with one holding midfielder, which isn't working very well, or a back four with two holding midfielders. And I I think that's got to be the formation that we see in the last two games because they're just kind of giving up the middle of the pitch. And Toronto was able to flood numbers forward in the final 10 minutes last night, and it got the goal. And YCFC was able to do the same thing. So we'll see uh, if he learns from this, and off we go. Adam says, Any other teams dropped nearly as many points after 75 minutes than Atlanta? I don't know that question. I don't have access to that information. We don't get uh, access to Opta and or Second Spectrum, which is the stats that Major League Soccer provides. It makes no sense to me why the league doesn't make that, doesn't buy a license that uh, people who cover can use. Um, it would behoove them to do so. I've talked to them about it. I've complained to them about it. I've cajoled them about it. And it's not going to happen. Um, so instead, we're left using some very good websites, but websites that don't. Compile the data the same way. So sometimes it doesn't all match up. And it's just a shame. Uh, It would be a giant. It would be a great thing for Major League Soccer. It would improve their coverage, particularly in a season as long as this, um, in which we need stats to sometimes build stories or stats to build stories around or to support stories. Uh, Adam, with a second message. um, To say we're angry and gutted right now is an understatement. The Lawrence non-PK happened right in front of us. Uh, Oh, I think that's the one that uh, Joseph Martinez got knocked down in the box. He'd already gotten rid of the ball. Um, I thought it would look more like a dive than anything else, so I didn't really think that was a penalty kick. A penalty kick. Was there a goal offside? No, it was not. Watched that video several times. Uh, Walks keeps the guy who heads the ball back across on, and then I think Mulraney keeps the guy who headed the ball for the goal on. Uh, there was no offsides. It might have looked – it was close, very, very close. And it might have looked like an easy offside uh, in live action, but it was not. Um, why are our guys not shooting on first-chance opportunities? That's a good question. I think that to a man at United's players sometimes hold onto the ball too long instead of just ripping one, and it cost them last night. And Adam finishes with a grunt which I understand. And I think this is our last question uh, in the podcast. And I think this is from a new uh, person, Christopher. So thank you, Christopher, for doing that. I'm going to take a sip of coffee before I get into your long email. And thank you for sending it. I know you'll have tons of questions about how we blew this game, so I wanted to go a different direction. I felt like the officiating was better tonight, but I've always been curious as to why we can recruit players from Europe to MLS but not referees. I realize it's probably not a realistic fix, but we often complain about the officiating, but never do anything to fix it. What is a legitimate solution to this problem? I think a lot of it is pay. If you pay more, then you'll get a better quality referee. They also have to be licensed, uh, I think, uh, by uh, CONCACAF to referee in Major League Soccer. I don't think that would be a difficult process for some of these guys. But there have been referees from England to go to different leagues, I know. Um, and the head of PRO is Howard Webb, an Englishman who was a, one of the world's best referees. Um, so I, th- I think it would just be increasing the pay. And I have, I've wondered that question myself, Christopher, so thank you for asking and giving me a chance to, to air that out. Uh, second, the third kits have been fun this year, but they're only for this season. Is there any push to get all the teams to always have a third kit, or at least let's, let, let, teams choose to have them. There are requirements that have to be met um, for a team to get a third kit, and that requirement is a number of jersey sales have to be surpassed. I wrote about this, if you go back and Google my name and AJC and uh, third kits and Adidas and I think Darren Eels, just put those into a Google search engine, my story will pop up, and I wrote in there a little bit about how this happens. I don't know if... uh, Atlanta United is getting a third kit for next year. I do agree with you. I think they're fun. I think they'd be great for merchandising, but they're also, you know, costly to produce. You have to de- design them, produce them, distribute them. Uh, it is, there is a cost. Um, and a lot of teams don't sell enough jerseys for it to be warranted. So we'll see. And let's see if we have any more questions. Oh, I'm sorry. We do have a couple more questions. Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Send us one. Hope you enjoying your Sunday morning coffee. I am. I'm going to take a sip right now. After last night, how would you rate and or evaluate Atlanta United as a playoff team and potential contender for the Cup? To me, this felt like a loss similar to the NYCFC game where we just can't confidently close out games against weaker opponents. Well, really, you're not closing out games against stronger opponents either and um, NYCFC is a playoff team, didn't close that one out. This is a team that you look at it on paper and you think, yep, it can contend for the MLS Cup. Yeah, it can win an MLS Cup, but then you watch it play and there's something, that killer instinct is missing. And I've told this to a couple of people. It, the team needs a, a captain, not Guzan, because he's not he's the goalkeeper. He can't be out on the field with the guys Cajoling them or, or encouraging them or whatever, that's going to just help get these guys together, make them focus, make them understand what's at stake, and you know, inspire them to execute. And Joseph could be that guy, and he's been the captain before, um, and he speaks all the languages, so he could do it. I don't know why he's not it, um, but it might be time to consider. But I think that's part of the issue, and it's, it's a weird thing. Um, but to me, this team just mentally isn't quite strong enough to win a, a championship right now. It could get there really easy, really quickly. It just needs a couple of good, strong performances to kind of believe in itself a little bit more again. And I think it needs to buy into the team ethos and stop trying to do highlight stuff and just play. Simple pass, simple pass, simple, simple pass, simple movement, simple shot. Um I mean Joseph loves to do those one touch spin passes, but they don't work anymore. Uh I don't know why, but they're not working. Uh, for example. Barco with the over dribbling last night. Um it's a weird thing, but Rhea, yeah, right now I wouldn't I wouldn't rate this team to win the MLS Cup. Ben says, How is that goal by Toronto not offside? Because the player wasn't offside, Ben. Uh, There you go. We're going to see if we have any more questions on the Twitters. I don't see. Pedro asks if the team needs another striker. Yep, it could use another striker. Um, but Joseph should be healthy for next year, I would think. But it do, does still need a, a good backup striker. It's a shame that um, you know, Brandon, Brandon Vasquez had to be left in the expansion draft, but I still think he's a talented player. Um, who would be a fantastic striker behind Joseph? Um, I think he'd be a fantastic striker in MLS if he could just get some consistent minutes. But yeah, you'll see the team make a move for that. Um, and I don't see any more questions, so we are going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Once again, this is Doug Robertson. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can read it on your phone. You can read it on your laptop. You can read it on your iPad or your Kindle or or whatever device you choose to use if you don't want to get the paper product. We have, I don't know, lost track, like 10 pages of Braves coverage today, for example. Uh, Fantastic coverage by an extremely talented group of reporters um, that I, I hope you'll consider subscribing. You can email, I think it's, customercare at AJC.com if you want to do so. Uh, and Then you'll get all the coverage of Georgia and the Falcons and the Hawks and Georgia Tech and Georgia State and Kansas State. And, uh, anything that's going on in Atlanta You know that, that's of significance, we're going to cover it, and we're going to do a great job. So I hope you'll consider it. Um, it's October 31st. Atlanta United 1-1 draw with Toronto. Two games remaining at Red Bulls on Wednesday, at Cincinnati on Sunday, and we'll see if this team makes the playoffs. Y'all take care. Have a great Sunday. I hope you watch the Braves tonight.